Thank you, Josh. And um, let's jump right into Acts 13. And I want to continue the story there. Somebody asked me, what, what are, what are, what's going to be in the sermon today? And um, uh, it seems like some of the top things that people wanted in the sermon were explosions. Uh, they wanted uh, lasers. Uh, and cats saying something other than meow. And, uh, hey, you know, it's too much internet, people. Uh, but I can promise you there will be magicians and wizards. So, let's see how that works. Uh, Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas have just been sent out by the Holy Spirit from Antioch. And uh, they, they arrive on the island of Cyprus. And, and on Cyprus... They, they make their rounds of the island, the community there, and they are eventually summoned by the, by the governor of Cyprus. Um, verse 4, sent out by the Holy Spirit, Saul and Barnabas went down to the seaport of Seleucia, and then they sailed for the island of Cyprus. And there in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they preached from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Barjesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, a man of considerable insight and understanding. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered. He urged the governor to pay no attention to what Saul and Barnabas said. He was trying to turn the governor away from the teaching about Christ. And then Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked the sorcerer in the eye and said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of trickery and villainy, enemy of all that is good, will you never stop twisting the true ways of the Lord. And now the Lord has laid His hand of punishment upon you, and you will be stricken a while with blindness. And instantly mist and darkness fell upon Him, and He began wandering around, begging for someone to take His hand and to lead Him. And when the governor saw what had happened, he believed and he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. A day in the life of Sergius Paulus may not have always been like that. But Sergius Paulus would have been an important individual on the island of Cyprus and in the Roman Empire who would have found himself making serious decisions quite often. He's proconsul on Cyprus, which means he's the governor. That means he's the, he's the highest official in the Roman Empire. And what we do know, we know some things about Sergius Paulus other than what we read in the Bible. There are some inscriptions, some of them found on the, they look something like this. They're just rocks that have the name Sergius Paulus carved on it. Some of them have been found on Cyprus and some have been found in Rome. And it may or may not be the same Sergius Paulus. But if it is, then it shows us that here you have an individual who's advancing in the Roman Empire. He's becoming more and more important. And as he serves in different places, his ability to show intelligence, his ability to show wisdom and good decision-making matters. And he advances because of it. Now, on the island of Cyprus, he would have found himself 
either greatly challenged or greatly rewarded as he had to deal with both diversity and probably a lot of mystery. Because the island of Cyprus, before the Romans, had been ruled by the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Persians, the Greeks, and all of those cultures and all of their beliefs, all of their superstitions, all of their expectations would have mixed on that small island. And all of that would have been there at the time of Sergius Paulus. Roman officials often kept a diverse retinue of consultants. They would have had an entourage of people who would have been there their assistance in making decisions. Sergius Paulus would have had such a person. And again, they might look like anything from a scientific advisor to a fortune teller. And it could have been anything in between, a philosopher, an alchemist, you know, just anything at all. Sergius Paulus has someone who sort of covers all the bases. He has a fellow named Bargesus. And Bargesus is... A magician, we're told. Uh, he's a magi, okay? The Christmas story is coming up. Jesus is visited, you know, baby Jesus is visited by the wise men. Traditionally three, but you never get a real hard, fast number. But they're called the magi. And that sounds a lot better when you have the magi in the Christmas story. Bar Jesus is a magi, okay? Now, Being a Magi is not so much the problem. It's who the Magi regards as the true authority. Does the Magi regard the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as they do in the story in in Matthew? Or is the Magi after his own gains, as Bar-Jesus seems to be? It would have meant that he was a wise man, a sorcerer. His Elymas is not his name. Elymas is a way of translating the, the phrase wise man. In fact, in Peterson's translation, the message, he goes ahead and translates it as Dr. Know-it-all. I like that. I like that. Here's someone who claims to have all sorts of wisdom. He's an expert. Okay, He's a guru. We use that term for experts. He's someone who knows all. He's also a false prophet, though. That means that he has some ability to foretell the future, or he claims to. He has some ability to claim that he speaks for the divine powers. But Luke's not going to play around. He's going to say it's a false prophet. And and a traditional prophet from Israel and a magi from the east, and remember, Cyprus has all of these influences, those would not have been the same thing But on the island of Cyprus and in the person of Bar-Jesus, both of these mix together. Finally, Bar-Jesus, we're told, is a Jew. He's Jewish. That means he's a child of Abraham. He's a descendant of Abraham. He's a follower of Yahweh, the one true God. And yet, he claims to have all of this power that comes from other gods. And even if he has just taken the teachings and the and the powers and the traditions and the and the rituals of other religions from the east and he's erased the name of their god and put Yahweh in there he's still creating such a bitter stew of things he's a he's an oxymoron a little vocabulary an oxymoron an oxymoron is a is a contradiction in and of itself okay like jumbo shrimp all right that doesn't you know 
Which is it? Is it jumbo or shrimp? And, and the thing is, you and I encounter oxymorons all the time, and we even encounter them in very sophisticated ways. We encounter them uh, from the government and from our institutions. When I was in college, one of the things I always appreciated was late advance registration. It's either late or it's advanced. Which is it? Well, no, this is, this is late advance. Okay, whatever makes you feel better. And, uh, and, and Bar-Jesus, here he is in government, and he has embraced all of these different strains of, of culture and tradition, and they have mixed together, and they don't mix well, but there he is, bringing all of those together. And he's done it so that he can provide Sergius Paulus, an important man, with all of the expertise that he needs in religion, in science, in wisdom, in fortune-telling. Bar-Jesus is not just a wise man. He's a very clever and sophisticated yes-man to Sergius Paulus. He's not unique in Cyprus. There would have been a lot of wizards and sorcerers and fortune-tellers and wise men like Bar-Jesus. But he has advanced himself in the government on Cyprus, and he has become a, a friend and companion, that would have been part of his title, to the proconsul. So just as Sergius Paulus is advancing, so also Bar-Jesus is as well. And in this day in the life of Sergius Paulus, Paul and Barnabas would have entered in. Sergius Paulus would have heard of their travels. News of what they had been doing and what they had been teaching, going to the synagogues, perhaps some public teaching, would have reached Sergius Paulus. And being an intelligent and discerning man, he wants to know more about these traveling philosophers. And that's, that's how he would have seen them. He would have seen them as traveling teachers, preaching their message. And they are apostles. And we use the term apostle uh, rather officially, as if it's some sort of special church office. In its simplest form, the word apostle simply means a messenger. It's a proclaimer. It's someone who has a message, someone who's sent out. And Paul and Barnabas are definitely sent out. The Holy Spirit told the church at Antioch to set them apart, to support them, and to send them out, to speak to the Gentiles and to speak to their rulers. That's what Christ said Paul would do for him. And their teaching creates a reaction. Sergius Paulus has an interest in it. He's receptive. He wants to hear more. But that same message that interests Sergius Paulus threatens Bar-Jesus. Now, isn't that interesting? It's the same message. Bar-Jesus heard the same thing that Sergius Paulus heard. Paul and Barnabas have not compromised the message at all. And yet one receives it with interest and the other is threatened by it. Why? The Holy Spirit creates a reaction. The Holy Spirit is not mere data. It's not, it's not merely information. It's not, it's not printing on the side of a cereal box that if you read it, you get all the information and caloric intake and ingredients that are in there. The Holy Spirit is a personality. It's a living, mess, it's a living messenger. And it speaks through living messengers, you and I. And it's going to create a reaction because there are implications to what the Holy Spirit's presence means. And for Sergius Paulus, he may be, he may be hearing a message that he had heard partially from the Jew, Bar-Jesus. But now hearing it from 
Barnabas and Paul, who are also Jews, he may be hearing not a partial message, but he may be hearing all of it. And it may be that now he's recognizing all of the message. And whereas Bar-Jesus had a message that caused Sergius Paulus to depend on him and his expertise more and more, he's hearing from Barnabas and Saul a message that actually sets him free and empowers him if he is willing to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, no wonder such a message that threatens to make or that promises to make Sergius Paulus independent threatens Bar-Jesus. I imagine also that Bar-Jesus is hearing this message and he's been able to take every philosophy out there and he's been able to blend it with his view of his Jewish background. He's been able to blend it with his view of science and astrology and his ideas of prophecy. He's been able to blend it and make it all fit. And when Bar-Jesus hears this message about the Holy Spirit, he's probably realizing it won't sit on the shelf with everything else. It will not blend and mix with everything else, but it demands full attention. Paul would have understood that. Paul is also one of the children of Abraham. Paul also was a follower of the ways of God, of Yahweh. He too was devoted. He was a Pharisee devoted to the Scriptures. And when he heard, when he first heard the message of Jesus of Nazareth and the message that Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God, was crucified and was raised again, when Saul first heard that, he was threatened by it. So threatened by it that he even arranged to have official sanction to put to death those who have accepted this false teaching. Now Paul, or Saul, call him what you will, this seems to be where his name really gets changed. He recognizes that darkness of mind that is in Bar-Jesus. He recognizes the mental blindness in Bar-Jesus. Why? Because he's had it too. There's an old saying, if you spot it, you got it. In Paul's case, he spots it because he had it. He knows what it looks like. He understands the symptoms. And so, it's very right that Paul names it and calls it out and just says, you are a son of the devil. Bar-Jesus would have meant son of Jesus or son of Joshua, son of salvation. Paul says your name is Bar-Satan. Because what you're offering is a wicked mix Claiming to speak for God, but it's really your own magic or your own technique. And you have twisted the ways of God, warped it so that it becomes something impure. And isn't this always Satan's way? That Satan takes something good and warps it? Warps it to the point that you and I can't even recognize what the good version is sometimes. There are purveyors of good things that have been warped in this city. God help us, I rejoice on the day that Exmark goes away. That ridiculous institution has taken 
sexuality, a thing that God created, and has warped it and distorted it into something else. I rejoice when God takes government, something that could be good, something that could... You know, He saw this, He had a vision of this in King David, where you could have a ruler who would rule for justice and for the good of a people. But we have taken politics and we have warped it. And we have turned it into something that oppresses people. And we've turned it into something that we even think, we make an idol and think that that's all that matters. God help us, let the day come when we can recognize what the good version of these things look like. Truly. Not just as individuals. We can as individuals, but as a whole. And some of that will never be fully realized until Christ comes again and the kingdom of God is fully restored in every way. But Paul has a vision of that. And because of that, he can see through the warped ways that Bar-Jesus is offering. The warped versions of the world that he's giving to Sergius Paulus. The highest ruler on Cyprus. And so it's because of that. Now you have, you have the miracle. You have the astonishing thing that happens where he says, the Holy Spirit will put you in blindness. The hand of God is going to punish you. And Bar-Jesus is blinded just like Saul is blinded. And he has to look for someone to lead him around. For one who claims to be Dr. Know-it-all, for one who claims to be the wise man, all-wise, all-knowing, all-seeing, for him to end up blind is poetic justice. Sergius Paulus is amazed. Did you catch that statement? Sergius Paulus is amazed by this. But I wonder if you caught the whole statement. Verse 12. When the governor, the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, when he saw what had happened, he believed. And he was amazed. He was amazed that his sorcerer had been outsourced. No. He was amazed that there was someone there who knew how to do a defense against the dark arts. No. He was amazed at what? At the teaching about Jesus Christ. It's the truth about Jesus Christ. That message empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's what amazes the proconsul. Now that's not an accident and that's not insignificant that Luke tells us that that way. And if there's one of the things that this teaches us about the Holy Spirit, about the Gospel, about the good news in Jesus Christ, it's that you and I, I mean, again, the world of Cyprus with all of its sorcerers and wise men, that may seem like a very far away world to us. I'm here to tell you, we live in our own little wizarding world. We just don't recognize it often. And we need to see it for what it is. We have our prophets. We have our prophets of health, our prophets of prosperity, security, religion, and politics. I'm going to tell you, it's everywhere. It's popular. It's whatever popular and whatever is good. I, I really feel for the people in, in, in the medical industry today. Because... You don't have to compete with knowing what the truth or the latest developments in medicine are anymore. No, instead, you have to compete with Dr. Oz and Facebook, okay? Somebody on Facebook said, if I rub mud on this, I'll get better. Well, there you go, you know. Dr. Oz said, uh-huh. I never met him. Might be a great guy. 
But he's kind of a wizard. How about that? The Wizard of Oz. Anyway, the... Um, We've got people who are proclaiming the ways of perfect health and perfect prosperity, complete security. Just vote for me. We even have purveyors of a religion that will make you always happy and you'll never have to fear and you'll get whatever you want. How do you base a religion like that? On the truth. And they will. They'll try to base it on Jesus Christ. How do you base that kind of idle promise on the fact that, that you know, Josh brought this out to us in the communion? That Jesus Christ swapped places with us. Out of obedience to his Father, he was willing to accept the suffering and the separation, but knowing, trusting that God would vindicate him. Now, when you have a message, a gospel, that contains that kind of truth, you can't easily turn it into a false prophecy that becomes something that can be warped for our own purposes. But there have been those who've tried to do it. And they offer the quick fix. What we need, realizing then, that we live in our own age of experts and the magic that we have today is not the uh, superstitious magic or the fantasy magic of, of Harry Potter, but it's, it's all of the stuff that we come to depend on. Speaking of Harry Potter, I'm no expert on the stories, but one of the things that has always captured my imagination about that is that the people who live in the magical world of Harry Potter, they're fascinated by the things that we have. They're fascinated by our lasers and our cell phones and our cars and our television sets. And you know, those sort of things, that's our magic. That's our technology, which by the way, if you look at the root word of technology, it goes back to the ancient Greeks and it was that ability, it was a, considered a divine ability to make things that were marvelous and magical. And I tell you that in this day and age, we can sometimes have more faith in our technological sorcery than in the Spirit of God. Don't hear me wrong. Worst thing we could do is, is become some kind of you know, uh, you know, you know, regressive group and say, we're going to resist all technology. You know, That's not the point. The point is, which one do you put your faith and trust in? Paul and Barnabas, they're good speakers. Barnabas is from Cyprus. He's probably got connections. They have expertise. They have knowledge. They have information. Paul is from Tarsus. He's a Jew. He's scholarly. But as he said in Philippians, he took all of that expertise and he considered it nothing but garbage if he could know Jesus Christ. So although he has all of that at his at his you know, fingertips, it's the knowledge of Jesus Christ that matters most. A couple of things I want to share with you. We have a choice. We can either be magicians or we can be apostles. As apostles, we have a message that can open eyes rather than keep people blind. We have a message that can help people to stand and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or we have a message that keeps people dependent upon us. We have a choice. We can listen to the apostles who share with us the message. 
that can empower us and make us stand. Or we can rely on the quick fixes of the magicians, the technologists, the sorcerers of our age that will give us what we want quickly and instantly. And we can even do that in our spiritual life. So beware. Let the message of Jesus Christ be that which amazes us. Let the message and teaching of the Gospel be that which causes us to be amazed. Now, I tell you that in, in, in preaching that, there is some risk. There's always some risk. There's the risk of being misunderstood. And as long as we're talking about greatest fears or pet peeves, one of those can be the fear of being misunderstood. Paul and Barnabas, they had no way of knowing how people were going to receive the message. But that wasn't their concern. They couldn't make that their concern. Thank God that Sergius Paulus believed and was amazed by that teaching. And thank God that Paul and Barnabas were faithful to that teaching. But they couldn't account for a Bar-Jesus who would come along and be threatened by it. The Gospel has been preached today that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, and that has implications. He was crucified, and God raised Him from the dead, and now He's exalted. And of all the different powers and of all the different loyalties that compete for your time, the only one that you should be concerned with is the loyalty to Jesus Christ. Because all the others will fall into place. And you have a choice whether to fix your hopes on things that can deliver a quick fix or maybe an instant gratification or maybe a little bit of help right here and now. Or you can trust that Jesus Christ will see to it. And, and let me tell you, trusting in Jesus Christ, it may be harder. Bar-Jesus wouldn't have made his advice and his wisdom to Sergius Paulus or anybody else very difficult. He would have made it very easy. And it's the kind that you can always come back for and you can always count on more and more. Just keep coming. Just keep those cards and checks coming in. And you and I have that choice. And today in preaching this message, I have no idea who hears this or how you respond. And I'm leaving that to God. But if today you need to respond, I hope that you will be bold enough, brave enough, humble enough even, to respond to the message of God as the Holy Spirit leads you. Let's stand, let's sing this song together, and we will have elders down here and in room 100 to pray for you and to receive anybody who needs to respond to the Word of Jesus Christ.